Speaking of Gifts is the exclusive podcast of the Gifts and Decorative Accessories editorial team. Join us twice a month to discuss the latest news in the gift and home industries, plus hear exciting behind-the-scenes chatter on gift trends and interviews, get a sneak peek at upcoming features, and hear from surprise guests. Welcome back to Speaking of Gifts. You're here with Lenise Willis, Editor-in-Chief. And Marie Earl, Managing Editor. And Alex Herring, Senior Editor. So we have an exciting episode prepared for you today. One, I want to give a little sneak peek that we're going to be talking about 2020 product trends in our gift gab and bringing on a very special guest, Michael Hurley, um, who is from our internal Strategic Insights team. And he'll be giving us a little bit more details about our survey. So make sure you stay tuned for Gift Gab. Um, Other big news for this week is Hallmark announced that it's going to be closing its home and gifts division, which is a very big deal. It'll be closing by the end of the year. And we're still, um, you know, doing research and keeping up with which brands that will affect, because as you guys know, there are a lot of offshoot brands that come off of that. Um, For example, Easy Tiger is one of those brands um, that will no longer be as of December 31st. So sad. I know. I loved their stationery. Um, it was so cute. And they had a lot of really great giftables and stuff too. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to run out there right now and get their journal. Um, things to that I'm going to do to haunt you when I die. Oh yeah. I forgot about that one. That was so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then other brands that are affected are Floor 9 and JC and Raleigh, which is one of the newest ones, you know, brought on by One Coast. So all three of those brands um, used to be in the One Coast showrooms, and we talked with them and confirmed it as well that um, Easy Tiger, JC and Raleigh, um, and Floor 9 will all be, I don't say donezo, but they're shutting down that brand as of December 31st. But any retailer that has already placed an order for any of those brands, they still will uh, fill those orders. So even if you order it up until December 31st, as long as it's in stock, um, they will fulfill the order. So that's good news, but I really hate to see those brands go away. Um, and then we, I did notice a couple of pictures from Plum and Punch on that website too. Um, so it technically doesn't call them out by name, but I recognize some of those products. So that one may be going well, going away as well too. So we'll keep that article updated. It's on giftsanddeck.com as we find out more um, specific gift brands that will be affected. But that was kind of some sad news. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Hallmark said it's more about sort of re, refocusing their strategy um, and focusing on other things. They'll continue to produce products through their Hallmark retail businesses um, and their Hallmark greetings businesses as well. Yeah, I think the brands were successful. It's just a reorganization of the company. Yeah, and uh, speaking about talking to One Coast, uh, and more exciting news, One Coast is going to be opening up a new facility, uh, calling it the One Coast University, and it's going to be home to trainings for new hires, for leadership, um, technology updates, all sorts of new learnings that can accommodate groups of 5 to 50, and they've really made it this uh, beautiful little space where uh, they've got inspirational quotes on the wall, it's got bright, happy colours, so I really think um, they're trying to do something that's going to stimulate creativity and collaboration, um, and I, I think it's uh, going to be very exciting. Yeah, and it's at Dallas Market Center, too, which is mm-hmm. really awesome, being a part of that community, and um, I think it's a great location for them. Yeah, and uh, John Kaiser, the CEO of One Coast, said, 
Uh, One Coast has always been focused on training with the goal of having its sales teams and all employees be the best trained in the industry. And with the establishment of the new university, uh, we will be focused on advancing our training efforts for all employees through our online training efforts and now on-site training. So they're really going to do everything they can to make sure that their reps uh, can give the best possible service to their retailers. Yeah, it was. I was really excited to hear about this. I know they're going to um, have some space there to do like one-on-one um, conversations with buyers while they're there as well. Um, but, you know, they're really focusing on teaching sales reps to be the best consultants that they can be, which I really think is important, especially now when we're hearing about, um, you know, a lot of online ordering happen and um, some retailers may be cutting their sales rep out of the process that you really want to sort of redefine that sales rep role. And I think that they're, you know, using this to help do that. So they're teaching them about visual merchandising too and other things that they can do to help retailers. Um, And, you know, we've heard um, a few complaints from our retail readers about markets not having as much gift-focused seminars and training sessions. And so I'm hopeful and I wonder if One Coast maybe would pivot toward that too. I don't know if it, if that's in their plans or not, um, but I kind of think that that would fill a void if they did a few things for retailers too. Mm-hmm. So take notes, One Coast listeners out there. <laughs> and markets too. Yeah, <laughs> we want more gift stuff. <laughs> and then we just also just want to give a shout out to Maxine Burton. Uh, she is just compiling on all the awards and accolades recently. Um, she actually just won um, this top honor from her high school. She was inducted into their Hall of Fame of Distinguished Alumni. So uh, I think that's pretty exciting. She you know, was very tied to her school and loved mm-hmm. her time there. And, um, it was just, Forsyth Central, right? Is it in Georgia, I think? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Coming Georgia. And uh, yeah, recently she was also recognized as a 2019 Shining Star honoree, okay. uh, which just recognizes women of the Athens, Georgia community who've done a lot to um, uplift women and empower them. So just rock on, Maxine Burton. You're doing a great job. Uh, yeah, a big congrats to Maxine Burton from Burton & Burton. I think it's so cool that she's um, just being recognized by a small community too. I think that says a lot that you're more involved in the community, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, good on her. And also it, the weather is finally cooling down. Oh my goodness. Thank goodness. Uh, at least here in North Carolina, which makes me so excited for fall and the upcoming winter holidays because Christmas will be here before you know, it. it's my favorite time of year besides Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a very, obviously Q4 is a very exciting time for retailers. Yeah, and uh, we have just received news from the NPD group that uh, people are going to be shopping even earlier this year. Um, Black Friday is expected to be the biggest probably that it has been so far. Um, And, you know, people are shopping now all the way through. And I guess this makes sense because Black Friday is um, much later this year. So there's not as much time to go out and do the shopping. So people are planning ahead right now, which is um, pretty smart. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then uh, the survey that NPD Group also revealed that uh, 10% of consumers said they plan to shop more small, locally owned retailers. So that's always great news. Um, Mobile shopping, of course, is on the rise. And they also said that um, gifts you can feel but not touch. Um, So like experiences and charitable donations, those are also going to be 
on the rise this year. So just fun things to know. Yeah, very cool. And, you know, we'll be talking about that in November as well. Um, One in uh, Food for Thought by Randy Eller, I know he talks about um, kind of looking back on September 11th when you thought no one would be spending money because, you know, the world was very chaotic and very sad time. Um, not to compare this year um, with September 11th. But, you know, sometimes you think in during chaotic years or, you know, when the world has a lot of negative news in it that people aren't tending to spend money. But actually they spend, they tend to spend more. And I think, you know, and Randy Eller talks about this, that, you know, sometimes customers use gifts to sort of help spread positivity to counteract, you know, anything negative that might be going on. Um, so I kind of think that's a little bit comforting news for retailers and for customers that, um, we do think that Q4 will still be, um, you know, a great a great time for retailers. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, right now it's football season. Everyone is hunkering down. You know, supporting their teams, their college teams, their NFL teams, and everyone is tailgating and having a good time with that. Um, so you would think a lot of people are spending money, and they are. But the NRF just put out um, a report about how tariffs might be affecting the football season. Um, and tailgating in general. It's sort of um, an interesting article they put out about 72% of college football fans are willing to give something up to save money for tickets um, and other sports memorabilia, which means they're spending less money on other things. Um, but more money still on football-related yes. <laughs> things and gifts, which is good. Yes. So it might be smart for retailers to um, stock up on local team memorabilia and then merchandising that with more general tailgating stuff because it might create an add-on sale. Um, but the tariffs can affect things like the sales of televisions, which I know most gift retailers are not really concerned about, but also different things like, you know, fold-up chairs that people take to football games or, um, you know, cozy blankets or anything like that, little fold-up tables. So, um just keep that in mind and merchandise appropriately. Yeah. And speaking of those gifts, we did a gift wrap last week on our favorite tailgate or game day, um, you know, gifts or things that we use. So we'll be talking about that later. And coming up, um, Tabletop is right around the corner. It's October 29th to November 1st. Um, we will not be there this time around, unfortunately, um, just closing up November. But... Um, they've got a lot of really exciting stuff happening, a lot of um, moves and new showrooms. So uh, retailers will be especially excited to see that. Um, Blue Pheasant Tableware is opening up on the 8th floor. Uh, 1175 Home is moving to the 10th floor in a bigger square footage space. Uh, And Costa Nova and Casafina are moving to the 22nd floor. There's just a lot of new exciting things going on and um, you know, 41 Madison always puts on an amazing show. They're setting the scene with a series of memorable vignettes um, in the theme of Garden Party. So that's going to be really cool to see. Um, it's sort of highlighting formal dinner parties and cocktail parties as well. And it's going to be just really beautiful. So everyone who carries tabletop should go. And if you don't carry tabletop, you should consider it. <laughs> that's right. And we will still, um, even though we can't be there in person, which we hate, We'll definitely still be putting highlights of the show on our website at giftsanddeck.com. We also have our sister publications there as well. So we'll be sure to keep up with all the hot news and stuff that comes out of that. Gift Gap, your guide to the latest product trends and the stories behind the gifts.
so yes, as we mentioned, we did do a review of our gift wrap picks of favorite game day things. Um, and it was really just fun to see what you guys had. Lanise, I loved that you talked about that snack mix that is so popular at market. Yeah, the original savory um, cracker. It's a seasoning, cracker seasoning. And I don't know if it's like okay to call them crack crackers, but <laughs> at market, so at market, they, um, you know, have these little bins of what we started calling affectionately crack crackers because you can't just have one. <laughs> um, actually, I'm pretty sure Warren Schulberg was the first one that called them a crack cracker, so I'm going to call him out. Um, but they're just so addictive and delicious. So it's like this, it's just a packet of seasoning, um, and you put it in like a giant like two-gallon Ziploc bag, um, and you put the seasoning, a little bit of canola oil, and then you just dump saltine crackers in it, and you shake it, and it turns saltine crackers into these like buttery, savory, they're not like spicy hot, but like spicy crackers. They are so freaking good. And it's like a homemade cracker that you made yourself, but you didn't. You just kind of like shook them in the bag. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that was my pick because they're delicious. And really, I mean, I watch football, but mostly I'm just in it for the snacks. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm kind of just there for the auxiliary thing. So for me, when I go to a game, I like to at least dress up so I know I look cute at the games. <laughs> and uh, I've been wearing this clear bag when I go to the East Carolina stadiums for a while. And they just this summer passed an official clear bag policy. So there was no worries for me. I thought I've already been doing this. Everyone else is finally getting onto my level and bringing their clear bags in. So I definitely had a clear bag as one of my picks. And then also just some really fun leggings. Yeah, um, I used to go to a football game, you know, every once in a while. Um, my husband and I support NC State, um, which is a rival of UNC, where I, I used know. to school. But the rest <laughs> of my family went to NC State. I grew up an NC State fan, so it's okay. okay. I consider myself like almost like an ambassador between the two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we used to go to games all the time, and um, we don't so much anymore because we have kids and, you know, chasing around two small children amongst, you know, drunk college kids is kind of my nightmare. But um, so we've been watching games at home and um, I have this chappy wrap, which is this really beautiful, thick, um, easily washable blanket. And we've been just snuggling under it on our couch Aww. and just watching football. Even Clementine will watch football if she can cuddle with mom. So yeah. I bet it makes losing a little bit better. <laughs> you know, it's so snuggly. That I fall asleep and I would never know if we won or lost. Oh, okay. Aww. Yeah. Um, well, we also, um, just to switch it up, um, after that little dig at NC State that I made. <laughs> um, so we're also really excited. We just closed on our October gift book issue, which is an entire issue based on trends for 2020. And we're so excited um, for you guys to see that in print. Um, there's a lot of great stuff in there. Yeah. Um, one new thing that we've been kind of covering uh, for this year was politically minded giftables, um, especially, you know, we're coming up on an election year. The whole next year is going to be just full of political commentary from, you know, everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of people are taking the opportunity to buy gifts. Um, some are novelty based. Um, others are more sincere. Uh, a lot of retailers, I'm sure, will be kind of towing that line between, you know, do we 
carry both parties? Do we, you know, kind of poke fun at both parties? Do we, you know, if you know your area that well, maybe you carry just one party heavier than the other um, to focus on your core customer base. But there's tons of great giftables for, you know, political gifts. One thing, you know, Fanatic Socks has just every kind of sock Mm -hmm. imaginable. Um, But they've got political socks as well that are really funny. You know, some have um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg on them Mm -hmm. um, and some have Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump and they kind of run the gamut. So they're real fun. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much uh, exciting things in fashion and, you know, fashion is a big category of our gift book. Uh, So so one of the things that we talked about in the gift book issue is um, just about how many bags are really yeah, I know like this survey said, I think 51% of millennials specifically said that they would buy a handbag um, within the fashion category as far as the most popular item. So that's like 51% of millennials are going to pick a handbag rather than like a scarf or jewelry. They're more likely to buy one. So that was kind of huge, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yes. And some of the style that we're seeing in bags, you know, for a while, the mini bag trend was really popular. Uh, but that's actually going away. And I think in 2020, you're going to see more of the oversized totes that you can just put everything in because it's so practical and it's so comfortable. Yes. You can just take that everywhere. Which is awesome because I could never fit everything that I need in a clutch or a tiny purse. I still can't. Like, I just can't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's cute in theory, but is it the most practical to execute? Probably not. I know. Phones are so much bigger now. Like, they can't fit in there. It's so true. And then backpacks and bum bags or you know fanny, fanny packs like, <laughs> really trying, don't love that term you're trying to bring bigger bags and i'm trying to figure out how to make a belt bag work with just a cell phone and a credit card <laughs> uh, but yeah i think those types of bags also make sense when you think about uh how mobile our generation is how much people love to travel uh having like a one sling backpack that you can just quickly access your things to or yes even a mm-hmm. uh, horrible belt bag but it's easy to get to your stuff so that's it is my um friend recently had her bachelorette party in denver and her maid of honor got everyone a fanny pack and you know hers said bride on it and ours said obviously other bachelorette (laughs) things on it um and we were like making fun of them like i mean like in a fun way Mm -hmm. But man, they were so helpful. Like by the end of the weekend, we were like, you know what? I'm kind of liking my fanny pack. Like you need, you need some lip gloss? I got it right here. <laughs> like, it was, so it was kind of, it was very useful. Yes. Well, however popular that trend gets, I refuse to wear them. So how about that? Um, other popular trends in fashion, you know, we've talked about how home decor is seeing a lot of earth tones. There's a lot of like those warm colored candles, um, but that's also going to be popular in fashion as well, uh, even in from everything from reading glasses uh, and then also just greens, kind of the, the nature, bringing the nature into your person when you're wearing new clothes. That's really big. Um, and even I've seen a lot of nature inspired jewelry. Mm-hmm. So um, whether that's like lots of leaves or um flora fauna from the forest i've seen lots of like owls and forest creatures Um, and i think that also goes into just giving back and and helping people be more aware of their environment and what you can do to uh, bring awareness about 
certain species or giving back in terms of conservation. There's a lot of that going on in gifts, not just in fashion, but kind of across the board. Yeah, for sure. Home decor is, you know, trying to bring the outside in. So they've been seeing a lot of um, clays and natural um, forest greens and things like Mm -hmm. that, just bringing it into the home and really looking toward a neutral color palette and then having those bright pops from so many indoor plants that people are starting to really just fill their homes with. Um, A few of my friends have basically a jungle inside their Mm -hmm. homes because they love it so much. So yeah, just bringing the outside in, wearing nature, it's all about just breathable, nature-inspired gifts. Yeah, I think in a lot of our gift categories, we've noticed, you know, a shift toward being more one with nature. Um, And I think consumers now are more aware of what's going on with the you know, with global warming and the climate change and just Mother Earth and its health in general. Um, So even in the stationary category, which really has to be careful on how they approach, you know, this sort of change in consumer thought because it's paper, you know. Um, You don't want to cut down trees, but a lot of companies are planting a tree for every purchase that you buy. Some are using recyclable paper or or poo paper, um, paper made from <laughs> elephant dung. Um, so that's a thing. Yep. Um, and even, you know, pl- uh, paper that has um, flower seeds within it, like sewn within it, so you can actually plant that piece of paper when you're done with it. So we're really seeing this, um, you know, sustainable focus um, in a lot of different gift categories. Um, giftables included, you know, we talked straws was a huge thing for 2019. Um, you know, a lot of places are banning straws or getting rid of plastic straws. So having, um, you know, a stainless steel or a retractable, um, you know, portable straw that you can reuse and take with you. There actually were several girls in our bachelor party even that had their little compact straws that they would just pop out and, um, you know, put in their drink. So Definitely a a big trend for 2019 and definitely for 2020 as well. Um, And then again, calendars are still very big. Our lives are still just as busy as ever. Um, (laughs) So people need to keep track with that. And um, within the stationary category, calendars still topped the charts on um, the highest purchase people thought they would buy within the next 12 months within the stationary category. Um, And we're seeing those become more helpful in general. So not including a date at the top, they're fill-in dates, which is great. So it doesn't expire after a year. It helps it to last longer, um, which kind of goes into a sustainable theme as well. And then also helping you keep track of other goals. You know, we don't want to just be focused on work anymore. We want to have personal goals too. So having areas for um, personal goals, having areas for, um, you know, your like a diet tracker, you know, you can write down what you've eaten or how much water you've drinking. Um, I even had a calendar this year that had a let it go spot. And it's like, here's things you need to do. And here's things you just need to let it go. (laughs) And I really like that. Sometimes I just want to write everything down on that side. Um, But you know, so yeah, I think it's just a a huge focus on getting the earth healthy and getting ourselves healthy as well. So since we're talking about our 2020 um, gift book trends, we wanted to bring on a very special guest who actually helped us to get all of this data. Uh, Michael Hurley, a research analyst from the Strategic Insights team here at Bridge Tower Media, is joining us here today. Michael, thank you so much. 
It is good to be here. This is my first ever official podcast, so I'm honored. Well, welcome. We're honored, too. Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit about how the survey was conducted in the first place? Because we always get all this great data, but we don't necessarily see all of the the behind-the-scenes action. So this is um, a consumer survey, and so we work with a third-party vendor that has access to a consumer panel. And so what this ensures is that we have um, a representative sample of consumers across the U.S. So we have um, a roughly similar amount of males and females, and then they're also equally distributed among um, income level and region in the U.S. And what that helps ensure is that whatever our findings are, they are representative of the U.S. as a whole, and they're not um, too skewed in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we do that, and then we also, we have about, this year was about 500 consumers, 509 to be exact, which is um, the sweet spot for us um, as far as you want enough consumers that you're more confident in your findings. So 500 is the minimum that we would get on a consumer survey like this. Okay, so. and you guys start like in the summer, like back in August is when you start? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so... Okay. We start, in, we start in August for this, and uh, we get in touch with the vendor, and we work with the GDA editorial team to make sure the survey is the most up-to-date and most uh, representative of the industry today. And then we, we field it, and which means it's, we're getting responses from consumers. That typically takes about two to three weeks. And then uh, is the data analysis part, which is the fun part. <laughs> Yeah, because you guys always pull out a lot of really interesting stuff. I mean, it makes sense to me if you say, okay, this many people said they liked Made in America and this many, you know, like the total counts. But you guys even pull out, you know, according to certain generation, demographics. How do you find those cool pullout stats that we have in our trend report? So when we're doing the data analysis, that's kind of what we're looking for. We're not just looking to... Um, regurgitate what uh, is just right in front of us just based on charts because that's easy. We're looking for um, insights that we can draw. So we, we look and one of the things that one of the key factors for us is statistical significance and that is kind of a complicated thing but basically it means that whatever differences we're seeing among different groups whether it be millennials versus baby boomers, males, females, that it means that we're sure that if we are seeing a difference, we're sure that they really are different. It's not just um, based off of a small sample size or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the most important things for us that helps us draw out um, if we really do see something, uh, a big difference among groups. Awesome. What were some of the surprising stats that you saw? Uh, one of the things was uh, we male, for home fragrances, um, males actually expect to spend at higher price points than females. Hmm which goes against, you know, as a guy, that goes against what I would have expected. So 18% of males said they expect to spend $25 or more on a home fragrance product, and 13% of females said the same. And so that was a bit, that was surprising. And then uh, CBD is uh, not surprising, but it's still on the rise, which was um, like a big new thing that we added in this year to the survey. Yeah, I was about to say, I think that was new for this year. It was something that, like you said, we always collaborate before the survey is sent out. And that's something that, you know, we really noticed in um, both on the consumer end and the gift industry that CBD products were really rising. 
And I know some, re I'm so glad that you guys um, added that question to get the opinions of the consumers, because right. I know there are plenty of retailers that are still very nervous about carrying the product because right. they don't know how they're going to be um, interpreted or, you know, if it's a little risque or, you know, there's still a lot of unanswered questions about CBD. So we were so thankful to have some consumer data on, um, you know, how many are buying CBD products. I know in the CBD trend report in October, you know, we referenced that it's actually a $1.1 billion industry in sales. So definitely very important to dig into. Yeah, it's uh, it's a huge industry and there's definitely still a stigma around it. Um, that's a, it's a good idea for a future survey that we do to, you know, get consumer opinions about whether, you know, they view a store differently if they carry CBD and just trying to get their general opinions on it. That's something that we could definitely drill down to. Um, and this year we found that one quarter of consumers said they were likely to uh, buy a CBD product as a gift for themselves. So, wow. I mean, already one quarter and that number is only going to keep going up as it continues to become more popular and the stigma is going to dissipate as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that we, I know pets was a new thing that we added last year, I believe. That's correct. Um, so we kept it on for this year as that industry continues to rise as well. Right. Um, definitely a big industry and some new stats there. Yeah, pet, pet gifts are, that was added last year and that was just the idea of someone on our team. So we found that 44% uh, said they would per they were likely to purchase as a gift for themselves last year, and then this year that number went up to over half. So it was 51% this year. Wow. And then uh, on the flip side of that, last year only 20% or this year only 20% said they were not likely to purchase it as a gift for themselves, and then 27% said that last year. So we find that consumers are. Either we're generally either more likely or either less opposed to buying it um, as a gift for themselves this year. So, and I think that that may have to do with as millennials continue to gain buying power and continue to become more established in the economy. You know, they're the ones who they have their they have they don't have kids as much, so they're more likely to look at their their uh, pets as their babies. Yep. And you know, I think that contributes to why uh, pet theme gifts and things like that are on the rise. Mm -hmm. And I think you were talking earlier about um, something that surprised you about men with their holiday choices. That's right. So we found that uh, for Christmas tree ornaments, when we were looking at the holidays, that we were looking, the survey touched upon which, uh, what attributes of a Christmas tree ornament were most um, important to, you know, to consumers. And males were much more interested in um, an ornament being considered a collectible versus females. Okay. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, inferences you could draw from that. So, mm -hmm. you know, females, you know, they're more interested in the aesthetic of it and, you know, how it, um, the keepsake value of it. So um, that was one of the things that we saw with that. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I bet a lot of that has to do with um, sports memorabilia. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a big thing. And yeah. males just, they might... They might like seeing more tangible value in That's true um, in an object. So if it's a collectible, it might be it might be more considered rare or you know fetch More's a higher price. Someday. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that may be why. But that's something that we could drill down to in another survey is to you know go into that area for gifts. Mm -hmm. um, so you've mentioned a few times that we could do something in another survey, and I'm glad that you've made those asides because. 
Um, your department actually does quite a lot of surveys. Um, you know, for us alone, all year round, we really look at all segments of the industry. Um, this was our consumer survey. In December, which you're actually working on right now, is our trends and forecast survey. Do you want to give us a tiny little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so the trends and forecast survey is um, a vendor survey. So we try to cover um, all aspects of the industry. So this was a consumer survey, the gift book was, and then we obviously have a retailer survey earlier on in the year. So this was our manufacturer survey, and we follow the same general process that we did for the gift book survey, which is work with the editorial team at GDA to make sure it's the most relevant and updated. And then we we write the survey, and then we, we go into field, and we work with our internal database and that team to um, send it out to everyone that we have that um, you know might be able to help us and give us some good data. Yeah, I'm so excited to see the results of that survey. Um, you know, again, we always collaborate before that, and I know new for this year, we added a few questions regarding sustainability um, and specifically asking vendors if they're thinking about sustainable manufacturing or, um, you know, producing eco-friendly products and that sort of thing. So I'm so excited to kind of see what they say. I think it's something that we definitely should be paying attention to. Um, and I think manufacturers should really should start doing more of it as we continue to talk about the state right. of our um, climate and our global health. Um, you know, we touched on it a little bit in Giftbook on the trend report side um, and wrote a little bit about sustainability. It continues to be um, you know, from what we can see an attribute that consumers um, really care about. Um, there was one study that we cited that said like 31% of U.S. adults actually think about sustainability when they make their back-to-school purchases, right. um, which you think is highly stationary too. So that's kind of a big deal. So I'm excited to see um, how that comes out. And I'm definitely um, expecting that to be on the rise, even in the gift industry. We've seen it mm -hmm. across the outdoor industry and uh, in the furniture industry as well. Consumers are just putting more and more value on um, you know, eco-friendly, sustainable green products. I think that, like I touched upon earlier, part of it has to do with millennials continuing to gain buying power. Mm -hmm. I think they actually hold the most buying power in the economy now and they have for a couple years at least. So I think that um, millennials um, have um, are placing a greater emphasis on those kinds of products. Yeah, they're driving that focus for sure. Um, are, there, are there any other surveys? Because I know you guys do surveys not just for gifts and decorative accessories, but for our other um, sister publications as well. Is there any other surveys that you're working on um, that maybe we can learn from or might be relatable? One interesting survey that we we did for Furniture Today was um, it was from a consumer survey and we were looking at um, mobile payments and uh, such as you know Apple Pay, Google Pay, Samsung Pay, and how um, those are that's impacting the experience uh, in a in a store and uh, mobile payments are just rising everywhere in the U.S. and the survey found that we found that 46% of consumers have already used um, a mobile, made a mobile payment in a store, and we're only expecting that to go up. Um, Apple Pay leads the way. Um, one of the big things why is it, first of all, it improves the experience for the customer in the store because uh, it's just easier for them, and they often feel more secure making it because they feel that they're 
their information is encrypted and they feel more comfortable uh, making a payment. And that uh, goes for online as well as online payments uh, continue to rise because consumers are using third-party sites to pay online like PayPal Mm -hmm. and they feel more protected that way rather than entering their credit card information directly. So I think that that um, is going to continue to be a big focus for uh, brick-and-mortar stores is adding um, payment systems that, you know, include, that can accept mobile payments because consumers are becoming increasingly reliant on it. Mm -hmm. That is definitely for sure. Um, Well, thank you so much, Michael, for joining us. You had some really valuable insights, and we always appreciate your hard work on our book. Oh, well, thank you. It was was good to be here, and I hope that you bring me back on for another time. Of course. It's always good to have a male perspective, too, in the gift industry. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm a bit outnumbered here, but that's okay. (laughs) All right. Thank you. not time to check out yet. Here's an extra behind the scenes story before you go. So we wanted to give a sneak peek for our November backstory that will be coming up soon. Um, It's on the Charleston Tea Plantation. And I actually tried their teas. I think it was at Atlanta America's Mart in the winter, actually. And they were so delicious. Just the freshest teas Um, They had the really pretty pyramid bags, and I honestly don't know what the point of a pyramid bag is. Amory, you might know that because you're a tea drinker more so than I am. I actually don't know the answer to that. I think they're pretty. Yeah, they're just, maybe they're just really pretty. Anyway, so they do have the pyramid, like prism tea bags, Um, and I tried the uh, plantation peach tea, and it was so refreshing and wonderful, and it has that very, you know, it's Charleston Tea Plantation, so it has that southern charm because it's the southern peach. Um, so I loved their teas. They had great packaging and really understood, um, you know, displays for retailers too, and how they sell their displays and sample segments and uh, sample sets and stuff. Um, so I definitely knew that we needed to follow up with them and do a backstory on them. And so we're finally, finally getting around to it. There's so many great vendors to get to. Um, so that will be coming in November. But just to give you a little sneak peek, um, so we talked with uh, Bill Hall from the Charleston Tea Plantation. And um, the company, um, for the past 27 years, um, has been what they say they are the largest um, provider of freshly grown tea in the country. And they say other tea plantations may refute that. We just report what they say. (laughs) Um, But to that, um, Bill Hall says, Uh, We look at them, this is a quote, we look at them more as artisan tea growers as opposed to having a tea plantation with thousands of teas growing. So that's what his distinct, um, that's how he distinguishes them. Um, But the Charleston, the great thing about the Charleston Tea Plantation is that it sells 100% of its product exclusively to specialty stores. So it doesn't have any presence in the supermarket chains which is awesome. Like, I think that's so cool. Obviously, that's great for the gift, um, the independent gift industry. So they are really focusing on their specialty retailers and making sure that they have an exclusive product that you can only get with them. So I think that's great. Um, And they obviously have a great collection, including the peach tea that I tried. Didn't they have something happen with Hurricane Dorian? Didn't they have to shut down at some point? Yeah. um, So we actually, because yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a 
plantation, so um, climate changes and um, natural disasters and things that happen um, can affect them. So they did have to close down because of Hurricane Dorian, you know, just this past fall, like early fall, late summer. Um, we were a little worried about them because we actually, that's like right when we were doing the interviews too. So we had to wait a little bit and let them kind of catch up. Um, but fortunately, the property um, pretty much remained unscathed. So they had like one day of high winds. They had a few down trees and some basic cleanup and had to shut down just for a little while. But other than that, they were okay. So we were really happy to hear that about them. Um, and Hall actually had a really great quote about that. And he says, um, the tea plants love high temperatures, humidity, and good rainfall, but they don't like to have soggy feet. So he <laughs> said, you know, 10 to 15 inches of water, that's a little, that's a little much that has to go, he said. <laughs> um, but anyway, they're just a really lovely company. So they actually do more than just teas. They even have a brand extension um, with products like tea-themed bath and body products, um, they have hand and body lotions and shower gels and even lip balms. Um, and the, the extensive collection is actually produced um, by Camille Beckman, who they work with. So lots of great stuff going on there. And you'll have to read our November issue to find out more about the Charleston Tea Plantation. All right. Well, it's time to close up shop. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, and tell your retailer friends to tune in next time. And we can't wait to see what's in store for the next episode on Speaking of Gifts.